Okay, what's up, David? I'm really, really glad to see you. I'm yeah. so excited to be here in LA and interview you. So yeah. it's um, the podcast called the Mus- Local Music Heroes, and those are the heroes nice. who was in the in Washington State. I start from Washington State, mm-hmm. and we'll see how it goes. Um, so um, we we know each other like a lot of years. We Long played, time. Yeah, we played Long together a million gigs. So, but. People don't know that, so yeah, they yeah. need to hear those like, crazy stories. Yeah. But before that, I just want to um, tell us, uh, when did you start playing music and why did you start playing music? Yeah, um, I started guitar when, oh my gosh, it was 2008, so I was, I think, like 11 years old is when I started. Um, I started on ukulele, actually, before anything else. Um, so uke was your the first instrument? Uke was the first instrument, yeah. And I played for like a couple months. Um, like a lot of my family members play guitar. Like my uncle, uh, I like grew up like basically idolizing my uncle. He's a musician. My grandparent, you know, my grandpa on, on my mom's side. It's kind of more the creative side of the family. We're all musicians, guitar players specifically. Um, and I just always thought guitar was like the coolest instrument, you know? Like I remember being a kid and watching the TV show Drake and Josh. And Drake was a guitarist in a band. I thought he was super cool. And so I just always thought it was super cool. So when I was able to kind of pick up the ukulele uh, through my uncle's friend, Ian, um, he kind of taught me a couple chords. Uh, after a couple months of that, I was like, you know, I, I bet I could transition this over to guitar. And my dad taught me a couple, you know, your basic, you know, intro cowboy chords on guitar. And from there, I was just kind of hooked. And it's, it very quickly became what I wanted to do. You know, you just spend my life doing play like every day, every single day. Yeah, I was I was homeschooled as well through uh, middle school. So I was able to like finish up school at like 11 in the morning by noon. And then I would just spend the rest of the day just learning songs, playing guitar. And that was all I really did. Well, yeah. And I've heard like the one of your guitar what you have here. It's that what you build as with with your grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. So my grandpa probably had the biggest influence on me with music um, and yeah, I've got my my main strat that I've had for 10 years now, me and him. He flew me out. They used to live in Hawaii, and he flew me out to Hawaii and um, basically made me pass like an entry-level music theory test, and we put together uh, like a parts caster strat together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my first like really good guitar and got me through, and I've even used it up until, you know, this year for most of my gigs. And it sure as hell looks like it too. It's very beat up. So yeah, that was my first good guitar, and we also... We built an acoustic guitar together, and then the year ne- the next year after, we built um, my first like good electric tube, like electric guitar tube amp as well mm-hmm. from a kit. So I'm I'm very fond of the building side as well as just the playing. So, I see. So, and when did you start like playing like live? So, like, is it was a jam night or so? How you just like start and go out and just play with other people? Yeah, I mean, like when I really pursued a live career, I'd say it was a couple years. Like, actually, well, about six years ago. But I was playing in like church youth groups a lot when I was a kid through middle school and high school. So like that was like the first technical like live music that I ever played was through like a church youth group. But about like six years ago, I joined my first like actual band. Actually, I started a band which led to joining another band where we played a couple live shows together. And then, yeah, like you said, it was like going a lot of those older jam nights at like the Emerald of Siam, you know, when I was like 17 years old, 18 years old. Um, those are bluegrass jam as well. Oh, that, oh my gosh. I can actually, it's funny that you bring that up. Yeah. That was when I was like 13 or 14 years old. That was back when I lived in a small town called Hermiston, Oregon. And it was like, yeah, this little blues, bluegrass jam every Tuesday, um, at this restaurant, restaurant called the farmer's kitchen. I believe it was called. Yes. I was the only person there under 50 years old. 
<laughs> so yeah, it was like a bunch of 50, 60, 70 year olds playing acoustic guitar and mandolin. Uh, and then me with my really long blonde hair trying to follow along on an acoustic guitar. And then I ended up picking up the mandolin a little bit as well from that too, which is fun. So, I see. Yeah, so and that's funny, yeah. that they moved to, uh, you started playing at the church. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. So I started playing, I played for a long time at a church called Calvary Chapel. Um, and then, you know, I, I played actually at a good amount of churches around the tri cities, uh, and one called new vintage as well was, which were where I was at for a number of years before I moved out to LA. Um, and then yeah, jam, different jam nights, you know, with like a lot of the ones like kind of with Von Jensen and, uh, you know, all those kind of cats, you know, uh, barefoot Randy, of course, and his band, you know, they would host a lot of jam nights, you know, which is where we did a yeah, lot of our jamming, lot. Uh, like, you know, pretty much every week going out to jam nights and stuff just to have fun playing live music. So yeah, that, those were a lot of the ones that I went to. Awesome. Yeah. So what do you think? And then you, um, you recently moved to LA, right? Like last, mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. Coming up on a year now. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's a funny year for the COVID, yeah. but how, it, can you tell us a little bit more how it starts here? So what's, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I moved to LA December 17th, uh, last year after being extremely afraid to do it and wanting to do it for a couple years. Um, and I, I had some connections through doing, like I used to do product demo. I've done a lot of product demos for companies. So I had like a couple connections and moved here, moved in with my uncle, the same one that I was telling you about earlier, who's a musician. Um, he let me stay with him and his, uh, his, my aunt for a couple weeks and kind of just got settled in my own place. Um, and fairly quickly I, I got hit up from like an older connection from a buddy who I played at with a church. I played with a church here like two years prior and he hit me up to do a gig at this church called fellowship. Um, and so I, I obviously said, yeah, cause I just got there and I had, you know, no job yet and nothing else, you know, really going on. And I was like, Oh my gosh, to be able to play live music in LA within my first couple weeks. And, um, started playing there pretty much every week. Cause I, I got along really well with the team and it was, I felt like it was a pretty good fit. Um, and stuff. And so like, that was kind of what my first couple months were. And I also started doing demos for this company who, uh, gentleman named, his name is Jennings Guitars. I met him at NAMM through, uh, through another mutual friend who I've, you know, just done work with from a pickup company called Lambertone's Pickups. Um, where are they from? It, from Spokane or something? He's in Yakima. In Yakima. Yeah. So yeah. So Lambertone's Pickups, I met him two and a half years ago now, and I've done a ton of work with him and he introduced me to, to Jennings, um, who I was able to kind of do. So that's kind of how my LA life started is I started, you know, I worked for a couple weeks at a music shop here, but then very quickly I was able to kind of transition to doing product demos for this company, Jennings Guitars, which I still do their demos as well. Um, and then playing at this church and stuff. And then, you know, once COVID hit, every, everyone, everything kind of shut down. So we were all kind of hunkering inside. Um, but yeah, it's been a good year though. Like definitely a lot of just kind of learning and growing as a musician, even in the midst of this really, really weird, kind of odd time so it's been it's been really really good I, you know it's kind of also hard to believe that it's already been a year you know almost coming up you know going in like a month and a half right? you know yeah i'll be here be here have been here a year so so let's talk about um like a uh songwriting i'm mm-hmm. i'm not sure if you like writing some songs but like mm-hmm. all your stuff what are you working on how you usually work on it so like do you have like inspired from something or you work on specific ideas mm-hmm. or you write songs so how mm-hmm. Do you write any th- songs right now? Um, so I'm I'm actually kind of in the middle of in the middle of starting, I guess, to kind of conceptualize that because I've done with however many you know I've done a ton of demos for different companies over the years, um, 
and I've come up with these all these little like riff ideas or like going to jam nights, you know, like I said, coming with those little riff ideas. So I've actually kind of started to kind of go through a bunch of old videos and pick out little riff ideas that I'm wanting to expand on. Um, really kind of, it's honestly just kind of an in the moment kind of a thing, really. Um, so in terms of a, I mean, in terms of a writing process, like I don't, I mean, I know you know this, but I don't identify really as an artist. I'm much more inclined to do like the sideman thing. Um, and so when it comes to like writing parts or riffs, I kind of just kind of fiddle around in terms of like, I'll find a key or kind of a basic idea and I'll work around that, uh, and kind of build a melody around it as well. So it's a pretty simple and kind of, you know, odd writing style, I guess. Cause it's just kind of like, what am I feeling in the moment? Like if I go to do, you know, say like if I go to do a session with Jennings and he's got five guitars, you know, I'll kind of try and come up with a different riff idea for each one. Um, and it's just kind of. Now, you know, since I've got all this free time with, you know, quarantine going on, taking some of those riff ideas and thinking, all right, like, how can I expand this? You know, adding drums, bass, I'm, I'm barely a bass player, you know, I can, you know, let alone not even close to being a drummer, but I've been able to kind of use some resources to kind of put some stuff together. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely say like with my future of music, though, it would definitely be much more like kind of YouTube and content creation that it is you know, writing an album or putting out my own personal music. I definitely much prefer the writing process, uh, like collaborating with other people. As a like collaborating or as a session musician? Yeah, as a session player and collaborating with other artists and stuff to where they can, you know, um, like I did a couple sessions with an artist in the beginning of the year, which was a lot of fun, where she would kind of like give me an idea for a song and I kind of just would throw different riffs I had at her and then she would go like, awesome, that that fits perfectly. Um you know, or, or not, you know, like I said, I mean, you, you're aware of the writing process. So sometimes you have something and you think this is great. And then five minutes later, you're like, no, it's garbage. We're going to get rid of that, you know? So yeah, I'm definitely much more of a collaborative writer than I would say, like someone who's working on being like a solo guitarist. Do you hear the, like a difference, like a culture difference in the, like in in music way between Washington and California? Oh yeah, definitely. It's definitely a lot more like um, at least from what we did, you know, a lot, a lot, I feel like a lot of the jam nights at least, um, it's a lot more like funk and kind of like reggae and stuff like that, which was really, really fun and cool here. It's a lot more, I've noticed a lot more like R and B kind of like hip hop kind of stuff like that for the live music scene, at least, you know, the few live shows that I got mm-hmm. to go to. Um, and so, and obviously the pop scene is huge here, you know, everyone wants to be a pop artist, pop artist and stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely a very different environment and, you know, whereas before, like in the Tri-Cities, Tri-Cities has a lot of like gems and like talented musicians kind of hidden. Whereas like if you want to be here and you want to play live with anybody or any anything or anywhere, you have to be able to play. Like you you have to be able to get up on stage and like play, you know. And so it's been it's been a really cool and really humbling experience, you know, coming here and seeing all these players who just can play circles around you, you know, like you have to be able to hang to be able to be good and stuff. But everyone's also at the same time, extremely nice and welcoming. Like there were so many people that I met here uh, and told, you know, Hey, I just moved to LA because everyone, you know, all of them, I feel like at one point we're a 20 something year old showing up, you know, wide eyed, bright eyed, you know, walking into LA thinking the world's on their shoulders and stuff, you know? And so everyone's super, super cool. And it's, it's definitely a very different kind of an environment. I mean, if you humble as well, they like kind of understand the same the same thing. If you're just gonna go like cocky, like I'm the yeah. best one in the world, they will like they will bring you down. Really yeah, fast, yeah, right? yeah. It's pretty easy to kind of I've, I've heard it's pretty easy to kind of weed out like the you know it seems like the really nice, humble, like 
fun musicians to be around are, are the ones who get gigs. Cause you know, when you think about being in a tour bus or being in a studio for long hours with someone, you want to be able to, you know, it's one thing you gotta be able to play, but you also, you need to be enjoyable to be around. You can't, yeah. you know, can't be an asshole. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you can, you just might not get asked back. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So let's talk a little bit more about the gear. Cause we have a lot of people who are like, okay, oh, we so know, we know gear. this guy, we know this guy, but okay. So what did he play? Like all mm-hmm. those like strings, pedals, yeah. like all this yeah. stuff. So, What's your, I know you have like a ton of different guitars, but what is mm-hmm. your like, do you have like your main one? What do you usually go like to go, you cannot live without? Yeah. I mean, I've always been like, like I said earlier, I built a Strat with my grandpa in 2010. And really ever since then, uh, the Strat's been my main guitar. You know, recently earlier this year, I finally got like, well, I guess what you consider my dream guitar mm-hmm. um, would be, you know, which is a PRS Silver Sky. And that's been my main guitar ever since. Um So, but I mean, ideally when it comes down to it, you know, like just a really good solid strat and I'm happy, you know, like, um, I've, I've had, like I said, I've had mine for 10 years and it's, you know, got the job done up until, you know, only a couple months ago when I I upgraded to my, my silver sky that, and that one's definitely like the perfect instrument for me at least. And that's definitely what I play the most. Do you like, so if you go to a studio or something, do you have like, for if someone will ask you like go for a session Mm -hmm. do you bring like multiple guitars i'd probably bring like two or three yeah um you know i'd bring like like i said obviously my first choice is the silver sky just because i'm you know most comfortable on it you know like a stratocaster style guitar um maybe a telly like a t-style guitar um and then something with humbuckers Mm -hmm. um just to kind of give it a bit of a bit of a different flavor which i'm actually working on getting it's my next guitar purchase is going to be a dual humbucker guitar that's really the only thing kind of missing from my um, my rack over there mm-hmm. and so probably like, like most likely just two um you can get away with and stuff but um ideally two or three is what i personally would feel you know comfortable bringing you know and it's mm. not too big of a deal so i work with you at the music store and we yeah. love gears we yes. love pedals we mess a lot of with pedals and stuff so mm-hmm. and i know you went through the phase of like different stuff like yeah. different pedal boards yeah. like camper use all yeah. the different stuff so where's your philosophy right now so what's your idea basically what's your philosophy of putting sounds together do you have yeah. like current the pedal board are you still using Kemper um so actually I mean honestly it's become so much simpler than it was really even like a year or two ago and I just had a really long kind of good conversation with one of my good buddies um Andrew about it yesterday um but I've I've kind of like I guess almost yeah I guess you could say grown impatient um with my gear, you know, like having a big pedal board and all that stuff. Like I used to, you know, I used to play a lot, a lot of like kind of uh, worship music. And so I had, you know, went from the big spaceship pedal board and started gigging. So I'd pare it down and it just kind of got smaller and smaller. So it went from, you know, big pedal board, big amp, small pedal board, medium size amp, really, really little pedal board. You know, then I went to the Kemper. And then now, I mean, over the last couple months, and this is more due to COVID than anything else, I think, because it's, I don't really need anything, but I've honestly just been using um the uh this the guitarist that you know i mean some people know but Corey wong he has a plugin that just came out with uh with neural dsp a few weeks ago or a month ago maybe now mm-hmm. and that's what i've been using now just because for the bulk of what i do it's a good clean tone and like a, maybe a little bit of overdrive and you can even actually get a good like decent distortion out of it as well mm-hmm. so i guess in terms of like my philosophy now it's really just kind of focusing more on like playing and like using what you have um, and what you have at your fingertips to get good sound. Cause you can like, the technology is ridiculously good now where like what someone would, you know, claim would be a good tone through like a $3,000 amp and like really nice pedals and like a really nice guitar. 
you can get comparable tone out of a $100 plugin now. And so it's just become easier, you know, whether I'm recording something at home or a demo or whatever else, I can just plug right into my interface and use that, you know, I don't have to so worry basically about my... music still in your head. It's just yeah. the way how you use your tools. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And so it's become much more about the actual playing for me now than it has how you get there. Cause I feel like if you spend too much time, not that there's, I have nothing against guys who love gear and pedals and I still do. I've got a stack of pedals just right on the foot of my bed you know, that I'm excited to put back together to go use to gig, you know, and I've, you know, I've used Kemper and I've, I've owned too many pedals and too many guitars over the last couple of years, you know, or five, probably five or six years since I started working at a music store. So I'm, you know, the farthest from someone who could be like, you know, I never needed a pedal or I never, I only had one guitar. No. And you know that probably better than anybody that I'm like the, the biggest pedal nerd and the biggest guitar nerd and biggest amp nerd, but just in kind of recent, what I felt like I need, um, the the plugins have just worked and that's really what it's come down to is it's just finding something that works and is easier to where i can just get stuff out and and just enjoy playing guitar you know making the process as simple as possible just plugging and i I, they did such a good job with the not that i'm trying to sell the plugin but they've they've done such a good job with it where i don't even really mess with the eq at all you know i just dial in the reverb a little bit you know maybe throw on some drive and yeah i was surprised i mean i i I love the plugins because i'm i mean been producing and doing that stuff and i yeah, you're totally right about that. For the last probably ten years, the like the quality is like yeah. so high right yeah. now. As soon as I plugged it in today, I'm like, whoa, is it just yeah. that plugin? And yeah, like, yeah. It's just like, wow, that sounds awesome. Yeah, just one guitar cable right into the interface, and and so I guess yeah, you could say that's kind of my philosophy is just you know really focusing on and then getting a good you know to me the guitar is much more important because that's what you're physically using you know mm-hmm. so getting a really good solid guitar as opposed to spending again not that there's anything wrong with it. Um, but you know, spinning like, you know, it's, I had pedal boards and I've known so many guitar players who have pedal boards, even your smaller pedal board, you know, you can spend easily a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars, you know? And so getting a really just solid instrument, you know, what you're actually putting your hands on, um, and then finding something that works. Um, and again, for me personally, just what I need to do, um, just something simple with clean and like some reverb and, and then you can add on effects later. That's the, that's also the other bonus that I really like is. If I don't like how it sounds after I record it, I can dial it, you know, dial it in a different yeah. way. I see. So since you mentioned the Corey one, I really it, it want to ask you about your influences. So what is your top like influences for the whole life? And right now, who you listen to right now, who you like, mm-hmm. not a leading to, but you just get influenced. From. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, Corey Wong's definitely on the list. Um, I mean, my top influence. And if anyone who's listening, if you know me, you already know it's John Mayer. You know, he's. I got into I'm him. Saying, but- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got into him when I first started playing guitar, um, and it was over. Like I, you know, I just immediately started learning like so many of his songs. Like his "Where the Light Is" live album was constantly on repeat, you know. And I just started listening to like all of his music and learning as much as I could of his, whether it was acoustic or electric. And it just taught me so much about music and guitar and and dynamics and feel. I'm just, I mean, I I could talk about John Mayer till the it was, you know till the end of the days it was actually his birthday yesterday too yeah so um well i guess i don't know when this is being released but as of today october 17th it was his birthday <laughs> yesterday um so definitely john mayer um and then probably the next closest would be a guitarist named uh, Matthias asado who's kind of like over the last couple of years kind of like risen to popularity through like instagram and youtube videos just a phenomenal phenomenal player um yeah, really, that really guy destroys style. social media. Yeah, yeah, super. Like, I mean, if you're a guitarist on Instagram and you don't know who Mateus Asado is, 
I, I don't know how you don't know. I don't even know how you don't know who Mateus Asato is. Um, so definitely, uh, definitely Mateus Asato. He was my influence for a long time. Corey Wong for kind of the more like funk rhythm stuff, which is what we did, you know, especially when we were doing a lot of those jam nights. I was always watching Corey Wong videos and then like go to jam night later and try and, you know, try and implement some of his techniques and stuff, his crazy right hand technique and everything. And just his like kind of also his philosophy on tone and gear as well, how he's also been able to just like plug like right into a interface or a mixer or have like the simplest pedal board setup and just get stuff to work. You know, whether it's with his solo stuff or with Wolfpack or whatever else, he's just always, it's like the master of clean tone, which is my favorite tone is clean yeah. tone. <laughs> um, and man, probably more recently, uh, Nicholas Vineglau, definitely. Uh, he's a really, really awesome neo soul guitarist. Um, who I, he's a really nice guy as well. I got, I got to meet him briefly at NAMM. Um, definitely a big influence. Uh, and I'm trying, I'm honestly trying to think within the last couple of weeks who I've been listening to Yeah, in terms of specific guitar players, I think, yeah, that part of those are honestly the most recent ones. I'm trying, not, no one's really coming to my head in terms of just like super recent players that have kind of struck out to me. Like Justice West is really cool, but I haven't really taken after his playing much, but he's just a really great guy, really like awesome musician to kind of mention. Um, so yeah, probably, probably those would be like the main ones. Yeah. Corey Wong, John Mayer, Mateo Sasato, and then a Nicholas Vinegar for the more jazzier kind of neo soul guitar playing style which i've gotten into over the last couple of years cool so yeah cool next part is gonna be a little little funny yeah. i think where's the weirdest gig you ever play oh man i know um, i know it's like for musicians it's kind of hard sometimes, sometimes i've I heard so many I've, stories but what is the weirdest for you i mean there's weird in terms of like like i've done a lot of church gigs and so like there's been weird like because they've done you know there's you know uh Sorry if you're a church person and you're listening to this, but, uh, or one of my church friends, but you know, I've been to some weird, done some weird church gigs where like we did a thing called a fire tunnel, which is like where you have to like, you put your hands, like there's like people on both rows and like you put your hands up, people walk through and you like have to pray over them, which I didn't want to do, but I was part of the band. So I had to do, uh, that was a bit of a weird one. Um, I'm trying to think of honestly, man, like, cause it's my, I haven't done, you know, no one's really been gigging, uh, since March. Um, yeah, a lot of the crazy stuff happened from like, honestly, from more from Ted Brown more than anything else, you know, um, like there, yeah, tons of crazy stuff from Ted Brown. Uh, like remember the guy, remember when you got your phone stolen? Oh yeah, that would, she, she did it smooth though. She did do it smooth. It's like so perfect. And I yeah. was like, where's my phone at? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Cause I was dealing with her husband trying to essentially steal from us, <laughs> from his deals he got, um, no, probably actually probably one of the one of the weirder gigs I've played actually. Um, oh, okay, I have one. I'm not gonna name any names. Um, so it was when I it was a it was another church gig, um, and it was when I moved here, uh, and I was playing at this one church. Like I said, the one church that I mainly played at uh, that I really loved. And then a friend of a friend reached out to me um, and said like, "Hey, you know, your buddy told me that you were new to town. Uh, we need a guitar player for this Sunday. Are you available?" And I thought I wasn't. I thought I was scheduled to play. At my main church on Sunday. So I, you know, I was like, Hey man, I really appreciate you reaching out, you know, gave him the whole spiel, but told him I couldn't do it. Well, it turned out I was actually playing just on Saturday, not Sunday. So I was playing just one day, not both days. So I, I reached out to him again, you know, and, um, and I'm still, I was still kind of new to the LA music scene. And so I'm still kind of shy about like the whole asking for money part. Um, you know, so I was like, Hey man, I just want to let you know I'm actually free. And I think this is the mistake on my end. You know, I told him I was free to do the gig and then asked, you know, what are the details? <laughs> Um, you know, and so he then told me, you know, oh, it's like, uh, it's a smaller church, you know, and I told, like I said, I told him I could do it. It's like, it's a smaller church. 
So, you know, can, we can't really pay you, but I'll pay you out of my own pocket, which kind of made me like, I'm like, I don't want to take from this guy's per, you know, usually it's the church, like the corporation that'll mm-hmm. pay, you know, and this guy's, and I was like, you know, not really expecting much, but I was like, all right, you know, I guess, you know, I already told him I'd do it. So I told him I'd do it. So I drive out there uh, and it's a very like, it reminded me of just a lot of like a really, really small town church, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of the churches in LA that I, and that I've played at, uh, even in Tri-Cities, you know, where, where, you know, where we're from, you know, they're very big, like lots of people, you know, um, very, and especially in LA, very diverse as well. Um, this was like 17 people were there, uh, really, really small, you know, and so like, I felt like very, like very kind of awkward and kind of out of place, you know, and they, they really liked what I was doing and stuff, uh, which was good. You know, I, I learned the parts and stuff like, cause I told them, I actually told them like the night before I was like, Hey, if you still need a guitarist, I can play. And it was about probably about an hour drive there too. Um, and so the gig comes up afterwards and, you know, he comes up and, you know, he thanks me for being there and stuff. It went well. It was overall, it was a fun experience. Um, but, you know, he goes, all right, cool. You know, he's like, he goes, and I was expecting like 50 bucks, you know, I feel like that, you know, it's like a decent rate. Yeah. And to he, cover gas. You to know, cover like, gas. Yeah. And you coffee, know, you and know, coffee you know. and something, you know, um, and he's like, it's 20 bucks. Cool. I was like, just kind of pause for a minute. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, man, 20 bucks is great. Yeah. <laughs> It was good. And so that was kind of like, you know, not necessarily the weirdest gig, but definitely one of those experiences where I was like, all right, we got to, you know, not that I I feel very grateful to be able to play music, but we definitely got to figure out the money thing before we agree to the gig. And so, so, and then he asked me, you know, he, he, they liked my playing and they were continuing to ask me back. And I had always kind of come with like, oh, I'm really sorry, man, but I'm not gonna be able to make it this week and stuff, you know? So again, super nice people, super nice guy, but it was definitely one of those things where it was like, I almost would have rather just have done it and not gotten paid, you know? So, yeah, that was a bit of an odd one that, like I said, it was, it was very different, you know, going from playing at a church where it's like very diverse, lots of people there every weekend, you know, like d- decent pay as well yeah. to like walking in and then like five people show up for service, five or 10 people show up for service. And then it's like us on the stage and it felt very like small town, you know. I was like, all and right. And you loaded with like yeah, pedals and I stuff. I know. And I've got my pedal board and my Kemper and my guitar <laughs> And I'd like this whole like professional setup and everything that I brought with Cost me. Cost more than my whole stage. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Uh, and so it was just like, just felt very out of place. Very, very out of place, um, you know. But it was a good, you know, it was like, it's like I, try, I try to look at everything as like a learning opportunity, you know. So it was definitely like, it was definitely a good learning opportunity. Um, so I, you know, spent 20 bucks. Like I said, probably spent it on gas or something to get back home and took a long nap <laughs> afterwards. So, so, so by the end of this... Um, of this podcast, uh, what, uh, what advice would you give for a young musician, uh, who would like decided to like, so they listen to like, for instance, they're like from 12 to like 20 and they like, Mm -hmm. I want to be like full-time musician. So what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah. If they, so what they need to expect and also just what, just basically what advice would you give them to, Mm -hmm. if they want to be a full-time musician? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd say actually don't expect anything out of it, you know, like, I think that was my, not mistake, but I had all these preemptive ideas of what Ellie would be like. And it's kind of, you know, like La La Land and like the beautiful Hollywood and everything like that. You know, um, I, the biggest piece of advice I'd say if someone really wants to be a full-time musician and they're really working hard at it, um, is to just go for it, you know, take the leap, definitely get out of your hometown, you know, which both me and you have done. Um, cause as, as fun as those jam nights were, 
they weren't paying the bills. You know, we both had full-time jobs at a music shop. Um, and so definitely like go for it and just like, you know, try and save up some money, get a job wherever you can. Um, but that's really the, the biggest piece of advice is just go for it. Um, always be like working hard, you know, like whenever you have a project, like over deliver, you know, if someone asks you, Hey, can you do a session or can you, can you play on this track or can you come play this show? Always say yes. And, you know, and I know I just talked about like, you know, only being paid 20 bucks for a gig, the money should be the least of your concerns, you know, in the reality. And that was also the reality of why I did it and why I didn't make a fuss at only getting paid $20, you know, Mm -hmm. whereas I feel like, you know, if if you weren't that type of person, you very easily could, you know, you drive an hour, you play a gig, you know, when you expect to get paid, you know, like at least a hundred or $200 for a gig and you get paid 20 bucks. I very easily could, you know, you kidding me, man, you know, 20 bucks, that's not even going to get me back home. Um, but so you can't be doing it for the money, you know, the more you do it and the more you show up and the more you say yes and and people can see that you have the ability and you're like what we talked about you're fun to be around you're an enjoyable person that's you know that the money will come the money will show up um you'll get opportunities you'll get get paid for gigs um you know i've only got about a year of experience in la so i don't have too much advice to offer other than like i said just really work hard at it and like be constantly learning learning new pieces of material learning new music uh, always adapting yourself to try and be the most versatile guitar player you can, or me, just I'll say musician, um, to and do stuff to set yourself apart. You know, so you're different from other guitar players, different from other bass players, piano players, whatever else. Um, and be enjoyable, be nice, be humble. You know, like and I'm a lot of this is advice that I've taken from other guitar players as well. But you know, you go to an audition, make sure that they know you're grateful to be there. You know, make sure they know that you're excited to be a part of it because it's music. It's the fact that we even get to make a penny playing music is phenomenal and crazy, you know, and always kind of keep, you know, keeping that in the back of your head. Like the fact that I get to do this and get paid for it or the oppor- or have the opportunity or the potential to is like an unreal thing. And so the biggest thing, like I said, is like just work hard and take the leap, you know, like do your best you can to get connections, to do whatever you can beforehand, but just taking the leap. Oh, and post on Instagram. That's, you know, my other kind of thing that I've been preaching to some of my guitar students, um, Instagram. That's kind of where it's all at right now, especially with the world being in the state that it's in. Like I said, you know, hopefully people will listen to this podcast when the world is opened up, but at the time of recording it, everything's shut down. And so really pretty much any and everything is is Instagram, you know, Instagram and YouTube. Um, And so if you're a guitar player and you're a musician and you're thinking about doing it full time, the best way to get yourself some credibility. So let the world know about you. Yeah, because... There's no, there's no like place, you know, whereas for musicians and everything, if you want to make it or whatever else, you know, it's like, oh, it's LA or Nashville, right? The internet has no zip code, you know, you can post something and it'll go viral and people across the world will see it, you know? And so definitely be posting on Instagram as much as you can. Definitely be posting content of just your playing and be natural and be, it doesn't even have to be good. You don't even have to start out with, you know, crazy equipment and crazy gear, like I said, I was just talking about using a hundred dollar plugin to get good tone, um, and use your like every phone now has a 4K camera on the back, you know. So use your phone and sync up the audio and just throw it up there for 35, 40, 35 to forty five seconds that you're playing, and just consistently post that and be active on social media, um, and like and treat it kind of like a bit of a you know an enjoyment, but also a bit of a business kind of a thing. Um, and so that's really the best way to kind of get yourself some credibility. Uh, and make connections and meet friends. I've made so many friends and musicians who I got to then move to LA and actually meet up with um, through, through Instagram. In, through Instagram. Really? Yeah, multiple. Yeah, 
that's how I've gotten connected with, you know, some of the opportunities through companies that I've gotten to work with, you know, like Lambertons was a big one. I reached out to him over Instagram, you know, mm-hmm. and he, and then he was able to, you know, see my message and then click right to my profile and see videos of me playing guitar. And then he immediately knows, oh, I, I like this guy's playing style. We'll bring him in for a, you know, for a session to do pickup demos with us or whatever it might be. And then that's your opportunity. And you go, sweet, I'm going to go do this session and you do your absolute best, you know, and then it, everything leads to everything leads to something else, whether it's a big or small. So cool. Yeah. That, that that that's sense. good advice. Yeah. And the last question is if you have a chance to hang out with one person from whole history, who would you choose and why? All of history. Oh, anyone. I mean, I feel like I can't choose John Mayer because he's still alive. And so there's still, so you can choose like anyone. I, I have to choose like a dead person. Honestly, I think actually, you know what? It's like a bit out of left field, but probably someone like Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson. Yeah. Is a singer songwriter? Old, no, old, old blues player, Delta Blues. Oh, like, okay, like, okay, okay, like yeah. Crossroads. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I like went through a huge blues thing uh, when I was, I mean, that's what I started on was blues music. I still love blues music. I'd love to go and like sit with him and like talk about kind of, I mean, because he's like the most iconic, like old school blues guy there ever was. And he, you know, obviously very famously as well died when he was, I think, he's, I think he was 27 or 28. I can't remember if he's part of the 27 club or not, but. Um, it's not that guy who just like played music for a while and then they just quit for a couple of years and then came back and became a like insane guitar yeah, player. Is he, that him? Yeah, he was like the one where like he really wanted to be a guitarist, yeah. but like he sucked and everyone was like, you suck. Yeah, and and he then just, he like left and the, the, you know, the rumor is he sold his soul to the devil yeah. and then came back and everyone was like, what the, what, yeah. what happened to this guy? Yeah. You know, and so. Honestly, probably him. I'd, I'd love to sit down with him and and one also ask him, "Hey, did you you know did you sell really, your soul to the devil?" Give uh, your phone just, number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, also just ask him about kind of his writing process and what he does and where you know why is it that he had this innate desire mm-hmm. to be a musician? You know, when he could have done so many other things. So yeah, I know it's a bit out of left field. You know, my first instinct, of course, is John Mayer, but I think it'd be really fun to talk to Robert Johnson. He's yeah, pretty cool. cool. Thank you, David. And yeah, thank you. Remember, everyone, I think being a musician is an incredible gift. Yeah. So thank you guys. Thank you, David. Yeah, thanks for coming. That out. was that was that was a fun that yeah. was a fun time. Yeah, glad we got to do it.